Good morning. Welcome to Crosspoint Baptist Church. We are glad to worship with you this morning. I hope you're ready to worship the Lord in spirit and truth. We're going to do that this morning. I'll ask everyone to stand. We're going to open up with a word of prayer and jump right in and get started. But let's begin our service by approaching our Lord with a worshipful heart. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege, for the opportunity to worship you as we open up our hearts and minds, ready to receive your word, ready to hear directly from you from the word of God. I pray that we will have hearts and minds that are ready to love you, to serve you, to glorify you. We'll thank you for it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Andrew and the uh, praise band is going to lead us in some worship songs, and then we'll have some other things going on. Pastor Scott is out of town this week at a family wedding, uh, but we have a lot of things in store, and we're, we're hoping that you're ready to worship the Lord. Do that as Andrew leads. All right, good morning, church. We got three quick-paced songs this morning, so hang with us. We're going to praise the Lord and let these lyrics focus our hearts and minds and even emotions on the Lord this morning. All creatures of our God and King. All creatures of our God and King, lift up your voice and with us sing, oh, praise Him, hallelujah, thou burning sun with golden beam, thou silver moon with softer gleam, oh, Praise Him, oh, praise Him, alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Let all things their Creator bless and worship Him in Father, praise the Son, and praise the Spirit, three in one. Oh, praise Him, oh, praise Him, alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. by his blood come and rejoice in his great love oh praise him alleluia christ has defeated every sin cast all your burdens now on him oh praise him Shall return in power to reign. 
he shall return in power to reign. Heaven and earth will join to say, oh, praise him, hallelujah. Then who shall fall on bended knee? Oh, creatures of our God and King, oh, praise Him, oh, praise Him, alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. Come thou fount of every blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing, call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet, sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mouth, I'm fixed upon it, mouth of thy redeeming love. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor, daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness, like a better, find my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins, and sinners plunge beneath that flood, lose all their guilty stains, lose all their guilty stains, lose all.
dying lamb, thy precious blood shall never lose its power. Till all the ransomed church of God be saved to sin no more. Be saved to sin no more. Be saved to sin no more. Till all the ransomed church of God be saved to sin no more. Their sins by faith I saw the stream thy flowing wounds supply. Redeeming love has been my theme and shall be till I die. And shall be till I die. And shall be till I die. Redeeming love has been my theme and shall be till I die. Amen. You may be seated. As part of our service uh, this morning, and it's been a theme this month, it's Sunday School Teacher Appreciation Month. And as part of that, I've been asked this morning to share about a Sunday School teacher that has impacted my life. And so for that, I dig way back in the recesses to Miss Carol Throckmorton, who taught me as a young boy at uh, Lindale Baptist Church and week in and week out faithfully instructed me in the Word of God. And what that has meant to me in my life, um, it, it's hard to put in words. In fact, I've been trying to write that card for, for a while now. I was making a note in my, in my phone so I could write it out and not make any mistakes. And I still hadn't finished it. And Pastor Scott said, you know, we have some leaders and, and share this morning. So he, he beat me to it. So. But no, the impact of faithful Sunday school leaders in my life introducing me to the truth of the gospel, even at a young age. It can be easy to think that the flannel graphs, if you guys remember the flannel graphs, everyone, most, most of you, the teens may not have a clue what we're talking about, but it's a picture board, and it's got sticky, sticky little characters you put on there. And the flannel graph, just the basics of the gospel stories, the, the truth of the Bible, and what Jesus did for those in the Bible, what he ultimately came to this earth to do for me, and learning that from such a young age has impacted every aspect of my life, what my life trajectory has been. And I'm extremely grateful for Miss Carol and the other Sunday school teachers I can remember who faithfully instructed me in God's word from a young age. And because of that, I will give God glory forever because he used that information, their faithfulness in his word and in teaching and serving to bring me to a saving knowledge of himself. He used that information to call me, to bring me to a state of repentance where I could call on him as Savior, and I'm so grateful. So I would like to, at this time, turn it over to Brother Brad, who also has a Sunday school teacher he'd like to highlight.
Thank you, Andrew. I, I tried to write down some things uh, as we recognize and thank the Lord for uh, the people that he's used to glorify him through service in our Sunday school departments. Uh, I'd like to recognize Dennis and Karen Stanhope um, for their faithful service to the Lord and to our church. When Melissa and I first joined, uh, at that time, Bellsline Baptist Church in the 90s, we wanted to get involved in ministry, but we weren't exactly sure where to start. Our first ministry opportunity came when Melissa was asked to be a Sunday school teacher for the second grade girls class in the primary department. They weren't really sure about me yet. I was kind of a shady dude, so they wanted to, you know, give Melissa a shot. And uh, both of us were brand new to the scriptures. Both of us had not attended church regularly in any form or fashion. Um, so, but this was the perfect place to start, teaching boys and girls, small boys and girls, God's word was, was an absolute uh, blessing. Um, this was before Melissa and I became Awana workers. So uh, I must admit, when we first got this opportunity, she was asked to do this, I thought, this is probably just going to be babysitting for an hour. Um, watching Denny and Karen after one week, I realized this was not babysitting. This was ministry. This was, this was something serious. This was something... To, to watch and to learn and to model. Um, they were the department leaders. After one week, I realized that I needed to put some time and effort into planning out what we did and how we did it. Uh, I learned so much by watching uh, Denny and Karen, watching what they did and how they did it. The rooms, the entire department were always prepared. They were always welcoming. They were always ready to receive anybody who came through the doors, whether it be kids, adults, whoever, they were always inviting, always warm, always loving to adults and to children alike. Their love and their enthusiasm for the Lord and for the children who attended was overwhelming. I, I just want to stress that. It was overwhelming to see how overjoyed and enthusiastic they were at 8.30 in the morning on a Sunday to receive boys and girls who were wound up and it was just infectious, though, to see their, their joy and enthusiasm was a blessing. I couldn't help but seek to have the same heart and desire to teach these children as they did. Their knowledge and their ability to teach the scriptures, though, was very convicting. I realized that they weren't just, you know, telling stories to uh, keep kids from climbing the walls. They were diligently teaching God's word to second grade, boys and girls, first grade, third grade, you name it. They were there to teach them the word of God. I realized that even though these students were young children, Denny and Karen took the responsibility to teach God's word very seriously as if they were adults because no one is too young or too insignificant to teach God's word. No one, no one at all. I thank the Lord for placing Melissa and me under the tutelage of Denny and Karen because they humbly and lovingly modeled the way for us and showed us how to serve the Lord by diligently teaching children God's word. Their example was the first of several. And by the way, there are many of you in this room. We're not going to have time to recognize everybody today. There are many of you who have done this, who have modeled the way, who have been diligent to teach God's word for many years. We're just highlighting a few of them, but I'm thankful to Denny and Karen. They showed me how to approach God's word very seriously but also very lovingly, and showed me what an amazing privilege it is to teach God's word to boys and girls. And that eventually led to Melissa and me 
serving in our WANA program. So with that, I'm going to turn it over to Pastor Roger for another recognition. Well, this is uh, a great uh, time to recognize those teachers that have dedicated themselves to serving the Lord. It's a ministry that we will never know until we all get to heaven how impactful uh, some teacher may have had on you or on our children or grandchildren. And it is just such a great, uh, uh, significant thing to recognize uh, the value. God certainly recognizes it, but we need to recognize it. Whether uh, we mention their names or not, there's many teachers that uh, over past years throughout this uh, history of this church that have impacted boys and girls, men and women, for the gospel of Christ. And we're so thankful for that. I, I think back to uh, even Larry Tharp, who's, who's in heaven today. But you know, we won't know the impact that he had on those children in the, uh, that, you know, intermediate age group there. You know, the, the time and the effort to set up the holiday house. And uh, I can remember the boats in the, uh, the big old building over there. And it was a, and then a baseball thing. You know, they he did several different things. It took time and effort that he could have been doing something else. He, he could have been, uh, reading, going out to dinner, having fun, you know, whatever it was, but he, he loved it because he was serving those boys and girls and training them to serve him. What a great honor. Uh, so there are many, we didn't mention them all, many that have gone on to be with the Lord that have impacted children or even yourself uh, that way. And then I want to also mention, and, and there's many, and I, I just happen to be uh, uh, kind of pitching in over in the Awana Club this year. And I was so excited. I get to work with a uh, little five-year-old, right? And uh, so Miss Lori's in there, and she develops a lesson and teaches a lesson to those boys and girls. It's just been wonderful to listen to. And I'm so thankful for our WANA teachers and all the teachers that are over here in our uh, children's ministry, week in and week out. I think Lori's been, been teaching in Awana for 25-plus years, right, and never... Uh, is always prepared, as Brad said, you know, always prepared to present that lesson. And uh, so what a great thing. And, and so let me just encourage uh, you that, that maybe you say, well, I don't want to spend the time to write a card. Go up and thank someone for their time. Or write that little card. I, I wrote several cards out this week. Five minutes, you know, just five minutes of your time. Write out a card and let, let the folks know uh, the effort the appreciation that uh, that you see in their efforts uh, serving the Lord. So with that, uh, next week, Pastor Scott will be back, as we uh, said. I think we were going to hand out cards today, but we want to wait until he's back next week. And so uh, we'll have a little bit more to say at the end. You know, that'll be the first week of October. So uh, September has been Teacher Appreciation Month, so uh, we're honoring those teachers Next week, we'll pass out all the cards. So you still have a little bit of time if you want to add one, right, that you want to write up. So uh, please do that, and then we'll pass out the cards next week and also uh, make more mention about it. So with that, turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. 
2 Peter chapter 1. This passage has uh, been, been influencing my mind and my heart for several weeks. I, was, I used this passage in a reference for a Sunday school uh, lesson, a uh, Steadfast Life class lesson that I had. And uh, after I read it, I just kept, seemed to be coming back to it, back to it. Uh, learning more about it and as I began to study and and then when I uh, pastor was away and and uh, I had the opportunity to to speak again I thought I gotta I gotta dig in deep on this passage and share it uh, because it's, it's what's on my heart that's what we need to do as as uh, pastors that stand up here is to to share what's on our heart so that uh, we can we can uh, have the word of God change our lives. So as we read, uh, I'm going to start in, we're going we're gonna to cover passage, the passage from verse 1 to verse 12. But I'm going to start in verse 10. All right, so you'll see I'm going to kind of jump back uh, to the beginning and then go through it. But I want to start and I'm going to read verses 10 through 12 to kind of set the stage of what we want to see here in this passage of Scripture. My message is titled, How to Walk and Not Stumble. How to Walk and Not Stumble. We'll read in scripture here that you don't have to, to fail all the time as a believer. We have the power to succeed as a believer. And so that's what this message is all about today, is how to walk and not stumble. Let's read verses 10 through 12, 2 Peter chapter 1. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Get that? You will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. For this reason... I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. As we dig into this passage of scripture, particularly right now in verse number 12, Peter, the writer here, he's, he's writing to these Jews that uh, are facing uh, issues with false doctrine. And they're being challenged uh, to you know, to believe these other doctrines and, and all of that. And, and Peter is reminding them. He says, for this reason, I do not neglect it to remind you always of these things. Reminding us of what we need to know as a believer is what the, the role of this pulpit is to do. It's to challenge and to remind us of how we are to live what God has done for us, and, and all those things that we uh, know. And he says, uh, I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things, though you know and are established in the present truth. You know them. Many of you are believers in this room. Most are believers in this room. But there might be somebody that's not. You may not know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, but this message will be for you just as much as it is when Peter was writing to the Jews who had been conformed to the image of his son to, to believe in Jesus Christ as a believer. 
He's saying, wherefore, brethren, those believers. And so that's what I'm here to say today, to encourage you to, to help us to live as God wants us to live. So let's just jump right in. I've got four points that we're going to cover today. And, uh, you know, I, I usually know that four to five pages of notes is, is my 30, 40 minutes of time speaking. So, unfortunately, I had like eight pages of notes today. So, I just shrunk them down in font size. So, now I only got five pages. I'm good to go. No, not really. But, but it is... Uh, Here's, here's another point before I really jump into it. I've got lots of scripture. I'll ask you to turn to some, but be challenged by the scripture. You know, if you do that and you're engaged, you're not going to fall asleep, right? Otherwise, some of you might fall asleep. You know, you stayed up late last night, and uh, it's just one of those things. So be engaged today. Listen and, uh, and respond in your hearts. Respond, right? So the first thing that we need to see is an encouragement in our faith, an encouragement in our faith. And we're going to look back at uh, uh, starting at verse number one. But our responsibility, as I said, is to uh, lay it out for the receiver. In this case, Peter was writing to the reader, uh, these readers here, challenging them. John 14, 26. Now, I'll tell you when I want you to turn. You just hang on and... Uh, and just listen uh, intently. John 14, 26 says, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Right? So we have a Helper that does that. Don't think, oh, i got to remember all of this. It's, you know, the Holy Spirit guides us into all truth. He brings us uh, these things to our remembrance. So as we do that, Remember as we go, this encouragement of faith, we, we see that it's written to the believers. Therefore, brethren, it's, it's written to believers. And sometimes we forget. If Christians are established in the truth of God's word, why do they stumble? Because they forget. They forget what Christ has done for them. They forget that they can follow God's word all the time, you know, it's not like something that you pick up your Bible on Sunday and you say, boy, I really uh, got something out of that. And you set it back down when you get home from church and don't pick it up again. It's a, it's a table decoration. The Word of God is engaging and we need to be engaged. Uh, if we aren't following Him, it's because we aren't in God's Word, period. In, in the New Testament, uh, usually Paul, but others uh, beg even the readers to pay attention to what he's saying, right? Just a quick example, Romans 12:1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice. He, he's saying, I beg you, I beseech you. 1 Corinthians uh, says, wherefore, I urge you, imitate me. And then in 2 Corinthians, he says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you, hear that uh, urgency to the message of God's word. Uh, 
as God, we're pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He's, he's urging us, begging us to pay attention to God's word. And that's, that's where we're at uh, this morning. In Paul's letter to Titus, in his closing remarks, uh, the last verse even, he says, let our people also learn to maintain good works, to meet urgent needs, that they may not be unfruitful. As believers, in some of my, uh, our Steadfast Life class, you know, some of this is somewhat of a repeat. You're hearing bits and pieces of this. Uh, we can be unfruitful as believers. We can be barren. We've been studying John 15, and we see that believers, he was writing to those, or talking to those disciples uh, after Judas had left out in the garden, and he said that you can, uh, the, the, the vine, he's the vine and, and uh, you are the branches, but the branches can be pruned away. Right? And that's talking about those believers that are put on the shelf. There's three things that we see here. There's an urgency to ministry. There's an urgency in our Christian walk. And there's an urgency to grow our walk of faith through the Word of God. Peter tells us in the scripture uh, there, he says, uh, if you do these things... Well, what are these things that we need to know about? How can we add them if we don't know what they are? So isn't it important for us to know the scriptures? We need to know the scriptures in order to be able to apply it to our lives so that we can uh, use it as the sword. 2 Peter 1.2, as we read, says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of of God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Later on in the, the book, he says in verse 318, says, But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. If you're truly born again believer, if you know him as your Savior, we don't have to fall short. We don't have to stumble our Christian walk can be what God intends it to be. He wants it to be successful. Let's have a word of prayer and then we'll dig into this uh, scripture. Lord, thank you for today. Just use your word as only you can do through your Holy Spirit. Help us to be the, the believers that you want us to be. Help us to uh, those that might even be in this room today that don't know you as personal Savior, guide them into all truth. Guide them to know that you love them so much you died on the cross for them. Lord, be with our time. Help us to apply it to our lives that we can be different today and tomorrow because of what you've done for us. In your name I pray, amen. So today's message is focused on how to make your calling sure and your election sure. That sounds like uh, something you have to do, right? You have to do. And we're going to see that we can be successful. We don't have to stumble. So believers, this is, this is coming to you and to me. 
But if you're not a Christian, a true born-again believer in Christ, this is also for you to hear. Because at the end, I just read it in verse number 11 and, and 12, is that there's going to be an expectation of our entrance into heaven. It's going to be a celebration. And if you don't know him as Savior, Jesus told, uh, said, if you're outside of Christ, you will seek me and not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. As a lost person, you won't go to heaven. I didn't say it. Jesus said it. So listen today with big ears, ready to hear, ready to receive this morning. Now let's look at verse 1 as we set the stage here. Peter is addressing the readers to keep a careful watch over their own lives. Verse 1. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. So the letter is clearly written to the believers, those who have obtained a, a precious faith like, you know, precious like faith. So there's a few things that we need to see here. First of all, there's only one kind of faith. It's that faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. His death, burial, and resurrection is the only way of salvation. Scripture says, Acts 4.12, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved. You must be saved. It's an imperative, and there's only one way to do it, and that's through the name of Jesus Christ. So if you're not a believer, there's the answer that you need to hold in your heart uh, this morning as we uh, continue on. It's, it's a, a like faith. Your faith is not any different than mine. It's the faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Jude 20, verse 20 says, But you, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Spirit. Praying, asking to grow. Have you ever asked the Holy Spirit to help you grow spiritually? So it's a precious faith. It's a precious faith. Uh, do you handle your faith with care? Do you attempt to build it? You know, I had, uh, thinking through what, what might be precious to me and, and that kind of thing, and I, I was thinking about uh, my grandma's old china set. Now, it, it's on display a little bit in my our curio cabinet at home, and, and we rarely use it, but... You know, we handle that china with care. It's, it's special to us, and, you know, we don't want to break it. We don't want it to uh, uh, be damaged in any way. I don't throw it in the sink with the plasticware and the, you know, the everyday dishes, right? We handle it with care, and that's the way that we ought to handle our faith. It's not like everything else in our lives. We ought to handle our faith with care. The next thing is our faith comes by God's righteousness. What kind of faith is yours? What kind of faith? Is it a faith in your faith? Oh, I have faith. A lot of people say that. Oh, I have faith. Faith in what? Faith in what? There is a faith in Jesus Christ. It's not that you are religious and so you have a faith. It has to be in Jesus Christ. 
It's a God-given gift to us to have faith. Ephesians uh, 2, 8 and 9, you know that verse. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's a faith that comes from God's righteousness. It's an outpouring of his love for us. God demonstrated his love for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It's an outpouring. We can't conjure up this faith on our own to say we have faith. Faith of our own is worthless. Jeremiah 17, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? We don't even know our own hearts. Romans 3.11, these are all salvation verses. Many of you maybe have memorized through your Sunday school teachers, right? So uh, remember that. 3.11, Romans 3.11, there is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. God draws us by his Holy Spirit to be saved. So this is just the, the beginning, the, the encouragement of what we see there. Now let's look at the empowerment to be fruitful. Empowerment to be, in, to be fruitful, verses 2 through 4 of 2 Peter. It says, Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord, as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us uh, by glory and virtue, by which we have been given uh, uh, to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lusts, through your fleshly desires. Peter's intention in this writing was to provide grace and peace. Remember I said those Jewish uh, readers were, were in a kind of a tumultuous uh, situation because they were being challenged with false doctrine and, and all of those things. And, and Peter's telling them to be, have grace and peace. So that, that's very important that we understand. Uh, do you think that God is concerned about your well-being? Obviously, Right. He wants us to have grace and peace. This isn't like, well, tough luck. No, he wants us to have uh, peace and, and uh, grace in our lives. And we only get that through abiding in him. We, uh, our class talked about abiding in him. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, right? That's, that's being a part of, being dwelled with. He doesn't want us to struggle in our Christian walk. He wants us to succeed. When, when uh, he said, be multiplied there, grace and peace be multiplied, he doesn't want to just trickle it out to us a little bit. He wants us to have it in abundance. This is implied abundance here, not a teaspoon full at a time. Grace and peace be in your lives. Be multiplied. Have it abundantly. So verse 2, how do we get that grace and peace? Well, we get it in the knowledge of God. That's what it said. Uh, verse 2, uh, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. The more peace 
the more you know about God, the more peace you'll have in your life. We, we, uh, Romans 15.4, turn there with me if you will. Get those Bible pages turning a little bit. Romans 15.4. For whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. If you don't know the scripture very well, how can you have hope in your life? You want to know the scripture says that, that it's written for our learning. It's our purpose to absorb and to learn those things. You know, I... I uh, we used to play a game, you've heard of it, Trivial Pursuit. It's a fun game, you know. You, you waste three hours playing a game uh, about facts that you don't care about, right? It's trivial, but God's Word is not trivial. Everything we learn in God's Word has value. Value in your life and mine. It changes us, and that's why it's so important. Uh, impacting my life uh, in this study and, and uh, hopefully your lives as we, as we think about the value of God's Word and where it's at in your, in your lives. Is it something that you are just not that interested in? How do we get these things? We get the knowledge. We get it through the knowledge of God. But we also... Get it from the divine power in, in uh, verse 3. It says, As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. He provides divine power, the power of the Holy Spirit, to accomplish anything in our Christian walk. Now, we were studying this a little bit. Uh, I'll try not to, to chase this rabbit too far uh, this morning, but we were studying in our class that, you know, if you ask anything in, in John chapter 15, if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. Well, you know, if we're abiding in him is what the scripture's teaching there. So, you know, it's not a, a carte blanche to, to say, you know, whatever I ask, God's going to give me. That's not the case. It's when we're, when we're in tune in, 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 with the same mindset of what the Holy Spirit, of what God is, is instructing us to do. It's through his divine power that we can walk successfully, uprightly in uh, our lives. Verse one, Acts 1a, you know this verse, uh, but you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me. So as we think about those verses, we, we have the power to, to uh, successfully witness. And that, that doesn't just mean uh, the time that we get to share uh, the gospel message with someone. It's that our lives would exemplify Jesus Christ in his, in his life. And, and we can uh, see our lives, uh, see Jesus Christ's life poured out through us. That's what that's talking about. It's, it's not just the time that we go knock on a door and say, hey, you need Jesus. That's all fine and good, but it's our lives every day. Are we being a witness with our walk 
and in our testimony. And that's what he's talking about. Uh, Ephesians 3.16 says, But that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. We have the power to be strengthened by the Holy Spirit. We just have to allow him to lead us and guide us. So there's three things. Uh, scripture says if you, if you have these things, and so what are these things that we're going to look at here? Three things. Number one, I just mentioned the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth. Not a thing. He's not a thing. He's a person, right? He's the third person of the Godhead. So he's not a thing. But, but when P Peter's writing, he's talking about the things we use as a tool. The Holy Spirit is something that can use us. He's our guide. You remember? He guides us into whole, all truth. He's our helper, uh, John 16 says. He'll guide us into all truth. Also, we have direct access to the throne. The second thing is we have direct access to the throne of God. Do you realize that we have the ear of the creator of the universe as a believer? He hears us. Now, if you ask a kid, now think about this little analogy here. If you ask a kid, uh, do you want an ice cream cone or do you want your parents' good advice? What are they going to say? I want the ice cream cone. Are, are we like the little kid that says, give me that thing that brings me pleasure now, or are we uh, such that we could ask God for his advice, for his help, for his guidance, for his love, for all of those things that God could bestow upon us, but we want the ice cream cone because we don't want to bother to ask God. We're not willing to live for him enough to even go to him in prayer. Sometimes we see what's in front of us and we don't see the things that have eternal value. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. We can come boldly to the creator of the universe, our Savior, the one that intimately loved us so much that he died on the cross for us. The third thing of these things is God's word, the Bible. It trains us to walk uprightly in this world. 2 Timothy, this is a one of verse, 2 Timothy 3.16, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. This passage teaches us what's right, what's wrong, how to fix it, and how to live. Those things, it's that simple. Scripture is inspired by God's word to give us everything we need. Uh, with the help of the Holy Spirit, we have all the tools that we would ever want. So he, he mentions precious promises. And, and, you know, we could spend hours and days uh, writing out uh, the promises or, or just listing the promises that, that God provides for us in his word. But just think of 
three of them. Psalm 23, 6 says, Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. We have God's goodness following me every day, all day, throughout my entire life as a believer. What a promise. John 10, 28, I give to them eternal life, and they shall never perish. No one shall snatch them out of my hand. What a promise. We do not have to worry about uh, our failures from a salvation standpoint. God has taken care of all of our failures on the cross. What a grace to live by. What a grace to live by. John 6, 40, For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up in the last day. Those of us that are believers today here, we're going to be raised up in that last day. What an exciting thought. But listen there what he says, that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in Him shall have eternal life. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, that's a promise for you. If you look unto Jesus, He will come into you and give you eternal life, Scripture says. These aren't empty words. That's, that's all the promises for today. But you think about that. There's so many. These aren't just empty words. They're God's great and precious promises or magnificent and valuable promises to us in Christ. They're more than words on a page. The reality, the reality, that's what we do. So we have the, the encouragement and the engagement of Scripture to, to do these things. Now we have the evidence of things. Let's look in uh, verses 5 through 7, the evidence of our call. He's saying, make your, your call and election sure. And so if you want to know that you're a believer, follow these things. We're going to talk about that. Let's read verses 5 through 7. But also for this very reason. Now the reason is because of what was just said. For this very reason that God gives you great and precious promises and that all of those things, we have the, the, uh, the means to walk successfully as a believer. He says, for this very reason, giving all diligence, all diligence, not half-heartedness, but all diligence, add to your faith, virtue, to your virtue, knowledge, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. These things are the attributes that you add to your life through the Holy Spirit. Okay, different than the fruit of the Spirit. When a person is born again, they receive the Holy Spirit. And his love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, all the, the nine fruits of the Spirit live in you. And they will come out when you're abiding in Him. But these, he says, give all diligence add these. These are things that we work towards, not for salvation, of course, but because we're saved and we have the Holy Spirit guiding us, let's put these things into action in our lives. 
and allow them to come out. And then we'll have assurance of salvation like we've never had before. Because you have everything you need to be the Christian God intended you to be. And we recognize what he's done for us. We ought to desire to live like him. Giving all diligence. Make every effort. Pursue it. Don't be a slacker, McFly. Right? Pursue it. So there's seven things here that we want to look at to add to our faith. The first one is virtue. And we're going to cover these very quickly. Virtue is living the right way. It's the practical attitudes and the habits of obedience to God. It's a mindset that pleases God. Do you have a mindset that pleases God in your life? Do you, do you think in the morning, how can I please God? When you're going throughout your day, is this pleasing to God? What can I do to please you, Lord? All those things, do you do that throughout your day? That's what it is. It's an attitude to please him. Philippians 4.8, one of my favorite verses. This is, a, you might say, it's an autobiography of Jesus Christ in one verse. It says, finally, brothers... Whatsoever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, is there, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Every one of those characteristics is a characteristic of Jesus Christ himself. And when we put these kind of things in our lives, we're going to look more and more like Jesus Christ. That's the, that's the goal, right? Be conformed to his image. Not our image, but, but his image. So that's virtue. Knowledge, knowing God and his plan for us. Why do people, why is that the most asked question in the world by Christians? Just wish I knew what God's plan was for my life. Boy, if I only knew what God's plan was, I'd, I'd be a strong Christian. Well, let me just say, God's word tells us God's plan. And if you don't know God's word, you're not going, to know, not going to know God's plan. Knowledge for the sake of knowledge is a waste of time. It's trivial pursuit, right? It's trivial pursuit. Whatever uh, we do with God's word ought to make an impact on how we use it and live with it. I, I read this verse before, uh, for whatever things were written before were written for our learning that we, uh, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. It gives us why we read scriptures, why we trust scriptures, why we learn them. Because we have the hope of eternal life and how to live uh, in that. The purpose, purpose of scripture is not to know facts, but to know how to live because of the facts. Self-control, or some of your Bibles might say temperance. This is the last characteristic listed uh, in the fruit of the Spirit, uh, if you think back to Galatians 5, 22 and 23. As the fruit of the Spirit, uh, you know, self-control, it's simply the ability to control ourselves and our thoughts with the help of the Holy Spirit. He doesn't want us to flounder around in our lives. He wants us to, 
to think like he thinks, to, to learn like he uh, has taught us. We have the ability to say no to sin. The, that power, that divine power that God has given us, he has given us the ability to overcome sin. We're not bond servants to it any longer. You remember that uh, campaign uh, years ago, Ronald Reagan era? I don't know who started it, but uh, just say no. I think it was just say no to drugs. I'm going to start a campaign. Just say no to sin. Could we do that? Are, are we challenged to say, I don't have to fall into that temptation. I can say no. Maybe we leave out here today and say, I'm going to say no to sin today. Because you'll be challenged to sin, I'm sure. I will. We always, you know, the minute we, we turn our heads away from God, we're thinking about something we shouldn't probably, and that's, that's the way we are as humans with our, our uh, sinful nature. But self-control, just say no to sin. We have the power uh, to do that. Galatians 5.1 says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Don't be bound by sin in your life. Live free by doing what God wants. He, he gave us those, those things. He says, against such there is no law. Perseverance, uh, he says, is clearly encouraging his readers to continue to watch over their faith. Add from self-control, uh, add perseverance. As we've discussed, our faith is precious and we have to take care of it. We must continue on. I'm going to read a little longer passage of Scripture, verse Ephesians 4, 13 through 15. You can turn there in your Bibles with me so that we can read it together. I want us to understand how important it is to continue on. It says, Till we come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man. And that's not perfect in, as in sinless. It's mature, a mature believer. To the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men in cunning craftiness of deceitful plots, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things unto him who is the head, Christ. Perseverance is growing. It's not maintaining. Well, I do this, you know, I come to church every week and, you know, I'm pretty good shape. I feel pretty good about myself. It's not that. Perseverance is growing and learning through Scripture how to live today and tomorrow better for him. For him. He says, a mature man to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's our objective. Why do we, I said this in our class today. Why do we set our standards down here? When, when we ought to strive, we won't reach it until we reach glory, but why don't we strive to be to the full measure of, of Christ, to live up to him? You know, I, I can live up to Chad down there. Sorry, Chad, I'm just using you as an example. I can live up to Chad down there, 
I should have used Betty or somebody, right? So, so I wouldn't get in trouble. Sorry about that. But others, let's just throw that out. We, sh we shouldn't try to compare ourselves to others because I can always find somebody that I'm better than, right? The guy in, you know, that's living in sin on a, on a regular basis and all of that. Uh, you know, I can outlive him. I can do better than him. Let's set our standard up to Jesus Christ so we have something to attain or achieve in our lives. Persevere. It's growing in, in grace and knowledge. Number five, godliness. Add to perseverance, godliness. As you can see, these are becoming deeper in, in the, the expectation. It's one thing to, to live with virtue and do what's right, but to live godly is deeper. Living as God intended you to live. Second Timothy says, having the appearance of godliness, but denying the power thereof. Do you live in the appearance of godliness? Yeah, you know, I, I go to church. I say grace for my meals, if you, if you call it that. I have prayer for my meals. Uh, you know, I, now I lay me down to sleep. You have those kind of prayers at night. You know, is that godliness? Is that what God wants you to do? Godliness is living like God. Don't live godly uh, on an outward basis and then deny the power of it. That's what the uh, Pharisees and the, the Sadducees and the scribes were all doing. They were living in a, uh, a religious world. They had the appearance of godliness, but they were denying the power thereof. They were denying that God uh, was the one that put them into power. They, were the, they didn't recognize that, that uh, his power could take them out of their position at any time. Is that the tagline for your life and mine, that I have an appearance of godliness but deny the power thereof? You answer that question. 2 Corinthians 7.1 says, Since we have these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of God. That's godliness. That's what God wants for our lives. So as we continue on, number six is brotherly kindness. Throughout Scripture, we're instructed to love one another. Love one another. Brotherly kindness is the result of obeying the command of Philippians chapter three, uh, 2, verses 3 and 4. Brotherly kindness is caring for someone else to bring them good, to bring them benefit. All right? Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than, than himself. Let each of you not only, uh, look not only on his own affairs or interests, but also for the interests of others. That is the objective that we should have in brotherly kindness. Is, do you care so much about someone else? Uh, I think of these teachers that have spent years and decades teaching their they are exhibiting an idea that they 
want to serve God and, and share that brotherly kindness with other people so much that they're willing to give up time that they could have been doing uh, whatever they do, right, for fun. But they chose to do it in order to serve others, to minister to others, and we should do that for the brethren for, you know, as brotherly kindness. When we live every moment with the expectation of being a blessing to our brothers and sisters in Christ, we're fulfilling God's desire for the church. Galatians 6.2 says, Bear one another's burdens, so fulfill the law of Christ. Number seven, we've reached the climax of the list here of pursuing God. To love God as, uh, to love as God loves us. That is the challenge that each of us have. This is a deep abiding love uh, characteristic of God himself, right? God demonstrated his love for us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died on the cross. He loved us, Romans 5.8. The word, and I'm not a Greek uh, scholar, but I have Greek lexicon and different things, and you probably have heard this word before, agape, right? There's several different words for uh, love in the Greek, like phileos, which is brotherly love, which is a friendship. I care for that person. But this is agape love, a sacrificial love. And that's what this verse is saying. Uh, that's what this word is. It's a agape love, a sacrificial, expects nothing in return. Jesus proved that when he died on the cross. Agape love does not come naturally to us. We want something out of it. Well, if I love you, what, are you going to love me back? That's, that's not what this is. Because of our fallen nature, we're incapable of producing such a love on our own. If we love as God loves, that, that love, that agape love, it can only come from the source, which is God. So as a believer, we have that love within us because God so loved the world and he loves you and me by dying on the cross and rising again that we might have life and have it eternal. That's the love that he demonstrated. Romans 5.5 5 says, Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. If you're a believer, the love of God has been poured out in your heart. So don't tell me you can't love some people. We're all fall short of God, but we can all love one another, as he uh, so clearly states here. So that completes the seven uh, behaviors uh, that we're to add to our lives. So let's wrap this up with the end result. So what's the benefit? Now we're back to where we started in verse 10 through uh, 12, and I'm really focusing on 10 and 11 here. Uh, but as we, as we finish in verse 8, uh, for, let's read that. For if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If you apply those things to your life, you're not going to be barren and unfruitful. I don't think anybody in this room wants to to be unfruitful, 
as a believer. I think everyone wants to be what God intends them to be. There used to be an army uh, commercial saying, said, be all you can be. Again, that's for the Christian. Be all you can be. Live up to uh, what Christ's uh, expectations are. The fruitful knowledge of Christ will enable you to display God's character effectively. When we know what God's word says, we'll be able to display it. Verse 9, when the qualities listed in verse 5 through 7 are not present in a believer, he is demonstrating the fact that he's forgotten his true identity. He's forgotten the fact that he's a believer. He forgot where he came from. He forgot that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. Think of your life before you were saved. Maybe you were a little Sunday school kid and you got saved at a young age. You didn't live in great sin but you lived in sin and you needed to be saved. And God took that sin and washed it away through his finished work on the cross. We've been cleansed as scripture teaches us and we can go on being cleansed through the forgiveness of, of, of God. He said in 1 John 1, 9 to uh, confess our sins and he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness that's our ongoing cleansing that we need the foot washing if you will of the daily grind of our Christian walk by continuing in sin the believers are short-sighted or blinded if you will to what God's plan is for your life the the benefit of what he wants you to do to live to live You're like a kid chasing that ice cream cone. Let's not chase the ice cream cone. Let's seek what God wants us to do. Romans 6, 1 and 2, again, another. all these verses are familiar and and just calling them to your remembrance. Romans 6, 1 and 2, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? It's not, going to be, not talking about being perfect, but it's talking about not practicing that sin uh, that so easily comes in our way. You know, there's a bumper sticker. Uh, I've maybe said this before. What's, it says, uh, not perfect, just forgiven. Is everybody familiar with that bumper sticker? I used to love that bumper sticker. Boy, that really talked to me. It said, you know, I've got God's forgiveness in my life, and I do. But it's a, it's a cop-out. It's a cop-out to the believer to say, well, I'm not perfect. I can't live up to God's be- expectations, so I'm happy where I'm at. I'm, just, I'm not perfect. I'm just forgiven. I think we need to live up to his expectations, as we've read in Scripture. We use a, a verse I've been using for over a year over, over here in our class, 1 John 2, 6. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. That's our uh, responsibility as believers, right? Verse 10, therefore, as we read that verse, therefore, in light of all that he was saying before, right? Everything that he was saying before, brethren, be even more diligent 
Work at it, as I, I've discussed. Live up to it. The idea of the verse is to make sure it's talking about a truth that's already there. It's in existence. You have, you have been called and you are elect, but make it sure. Make it obvious. Make it obvious is what he's saying there. Make it obvious that our election is sure. Live up to it. Verse 11. Those who successfully display the qualities of uh, verses 5 through 7 are the ones who are assured of their salvation. Not because of works, but because of those things that pour out of us from the working of the inner man that we read about. Now when we read verse 11, we see that it says, for an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We have an abundance. Uh, we have a celebration of time that's going to be welcoming us into heaven. Can you wait for that day where, where God says, welcome into the joys of thy, uh, thy Lord, you know, thy good and faithful servant. What a day that's going to be. So simply, to wrap this all up, it's simply to do more than pay lip service to God's word and his service. It's more than attending church once in a while and soothing our conscience to say, yep, I'm doing what God wants me to do. We should be living testimonies of the power of God to change lives. I'm not perfect at this. I'm working at it every day. Let's work at it together. That's our, that's our purpose. 1 John 5.13, I close on this. These things have I written unto you. This letter John wrote, uh, he says, I've written it unto you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Those believers that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may continue Key words there, may continue to believe in the name of the Son of God. You don't have to have doubt. You don't have to have uh, skepticism about what God's doing in your life. You can know his plan. You can know his will. You can do those things because you're not under the power of sin in your life. You continue and you can continue and you can know. So we're going to have an invitation. and We're going to wrap it up. As we conclude today, I want us to be challenged. If you're a believer here today, are you satisfied with your Christian walk? Can you add these seven uh, things in your life to exemplify the attitudes of what God wants for you? If you're, and if you don't, I challenge you to do it today. If you're here and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. You Today is your day. You can... Walk away knowing that you have eternal life because you put your faith and trust in that finished work of God, Jesus Christ, on the cross. The Bible says, but as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, put their trust in, put their faith in uh, his name. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, I thank you for encouragement of Scripture that we can live for you. We don't have to fail. We don't have to fall short. We can trust you. Our salvation is assured, but our life expectancy is one that would be something that we ought to strive for to live up to your name. As we have an invitation time and, and Andrew leads a wonderful song, softly and tenderly you're calling. I pray that there would be someone here that would make a decision for Christ, either to rededicate and to say, I'm not going to live in my own power, but in God's power, or I'm going to put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I pray that's the outcome today for those of us here. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Would you stand with me as we sing the invitation this morning? Softly and tenderly Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. See on the dismissed uh, there are several things to make sure everyone's aware of again our, our typical announcements we have Facebook live tonight at seven o'clock
but there's a special speaker, a guest speaker. Pastor Scott, again, is out of town. We have a special speaker tonight, so be sure to tune in at 7 o'clock. Um, family night is on Wednesday night, begins at 6.30 with the Wanna Word of Life and Adult Bible Study. Grief Share is on Thursday at 7 o'clock. The men's golf outing is Saturday at 1 o'clock. Pastor Roger said, be ready to start at 1. Don't get there at 1 and start getting ready. Be ready to go right at 1 o'clock. If you have questions about that, you can see Mike Jones or Pastor Roger. They'll be able to fill you in on that. Two other announcements to make. The Real Life class has an activity on October the 14th beginning at 6.30. And then the big October activity for the uh, adult uh, Bible study groups, uh, the Mystery Game Night. That will be on October the 29th at 6 o'clock. Miss Betty says sign up today. Uh, she will assign uh, characters uh, after you sign up, so be sure to sign up as soon as possible. If you have any questions, be sure to see Miss Betty. Don't forget the two things we heard today. What did we hear? Be all you can be for the Lord. Say no to sin. With that, you are dismissed. <laughs>